Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast on business, investing, and finance. I like to bring on guests to hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. My next guest recently retired from her career in healthcare to focus on real estate investing full-time. Her and her husband put together a plan to leave their full-time jobs, and now they are well on their way to achieving financial independence. In this episode, we talk about who you should network with, how to create a plan, how to execute on that plan, and a deep dive into the numbers of her business. Please welcome Robin Binkley. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am glad to be here with you today. Yes, thanks for taking the time. So why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background? So a little bit about my background, I actually ran nursing homes for over 20 years. So I was in healthcare administration and I retired from that going on six years. And so I maintained my license, if you will, after I retired, just because I'd worked so hard for it. And my husband has had an engineering firm here in the Houston market. And I bring him up because our business is together, REAP, Real Equity Investment Partners. And so that's, we can certainly talk about that uh, a little bit longer. But so I moved from personal investing to working on creating larger deals. So syndicating, which was not something that I really knew about. So I created then our syndication business not so long ago. Really, it was October of 2021 when we really created that. Very recent. Um, So there's a few things I want to dive into. We'll talk about what you invested in, what you invest in today. And then let's talk about, this is a big one. A lot of people are trying to make that transition from a full-time job to creating their own business. So I think that'll be a fun little journey as well. Um, First things first, when you were investing on your own, were you investing in real estate or the stock market? So a little bit of both. We actually bought our first commercial property when we were both W-2 employees, if you will. And that was just one of those unusual deals where my husband had been uh, and his business partner had been leasing. Their business had been in place for 25 years in the same building. And they had been leasing that building from the owner. And he was getting ready to flip out of that. And Brett made a crazy offer um, where the owner financed it. And we put $5,000 down on a commercial property in the Houston market in the Heights, which is a smoking hot area of town. It's very unheard of. It was really all from a Robert Kiyosaki book that Brett had read. And he just took it and made the offer. And that's really what got us into larger projects outside of single family homes. So that was kind of the segue, but we were both W-2 employees, but we were not even realizing syndication. Right. Didn't didn't even, had never even heard that term, you know. Uh, Was this uh, rich dad, poor dad? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Pretty obvious. All right. Go, go from, uh, he's got those four quadrants. So instead of that top left, which is, uh, isn't that the employee quadrant? You want to be the investor. I think it's the bottom right. I could be wrong in this, but. Yes. Yes. So it kind of takes you on that journey of where are you and where do you want to be? Right. And how you really get there. But it was really just kind of taking in over the years. As I said, we've been investing and doing a lot of reading. But at some point, you can't just read and you have to take action. So to take action, you got to make an offer and you got to be okay with a no to get to a yes. 
And so that's really what kind of prompted the offer, not really feeling that the owner would say, yeah, but I think it was the relationship, the longstanding relationship, and that we had some credibility. He had known us for so many years, you know, 25 years. So anyway, uh, it's just one of those things. Let's drill into that because a lot of people listening are thinking $5,000, that's not a whole lot. How do I do this? So let's break down the structure here. How does it work? Is there some, I assume there's some kind of um, revenue split you're sharing with this previous owner? Well, so what we did was we put $5,000 down and it's an 80,000 square foot building. So it allowed us to have multiple tenants, other tenants outside of just our engineering firm. Um, We had like engineering, land surveying, all wrapped up into the same commercial building, which we are still in today. We still have this property today. And so we have other tenants, which is another source of income. But anyway, we did a deal where uh, it was owner financing for five years. And then we had to flip out of that and we had to get a loan with the bank. But what it allowed us to do, never having any experience with managing a commercial property, we had never done that. We had never dealt with leases and contracts. We've dealt with our own lease and contract, but not tenants. And so there was a giant learning curve there. There was a lot of deferred maintenance on the building. Um, So it's not like we jumped. We jumped in with eyes wide open as far as you've been in the same building and kind of understand where are the leaks, what needs to be repaired, things like that. But not the whole property because there were other renters in there for different businesses like travel agencies, childcare, the city of Houston, you know, and other business entities. And so it was a giant learning curve. Um, You know, one of the things I would say about it is a lot of times in these deals that we find ourselves in, we have experience. Um, but this is an area we had zero experience and we just jumped in and just made it happen. Right on. Now, with 80,000 square feet, I, I look at this business as what I would call professional services building. It's not industrial. You don't have any manufacturing or anything like that. So right, a lot of the businesses, thank you for listing. That's where I was thinking as other professional services. You know, you said the city of Houston is in there where it's really just you get people moved in, give us some desks, internet connection, they're off and running. It's not like you have to do big road innovations. You do. You do have to do some minor innovations because some of these are, you know, three to five years. And so maybe they want what the space looks like, a micro redesigned Mm -hmm. with, you know, cubicles um, and or they want a wet bar or, you know, some minor cosmetic styled things like that. And so you just kind of have to look at who's the tenant, what's the length of the lease and what's it going to cost you, you know, at the end of the day. And so a lot of things learned in that arena. And we also have another commercial building similar in the Bryan College Station area, which is not far from Houston. It's um, about an hour and a half. Got it. Okay. And how many units do you rent out? That's probably got 10 additional tenants outside of ourselves. Got it. Yeah. Now with the owner financing, because I know my audience is going to ask this question and, oh, and, and we dive into the numbers on this show. People want to get down to brass tacks. Okay. So with that, what kind of revenue split did you have to do with this owner? I, honestly, I wish I could tell you the details on that, that you're wanting to know. My husband specifically handled 
that deal at that point in time and still manages that. So I can't really tell you those details on that, not because I don't want to be forthcoming, but because I don't really handle that. What I can talk more to you about in that situation is globally how the transaction worked, what we did, and how that allowed us to get into investing in other areas, other asset classes outside of commercial. Got it. Because where where the audience, what they're thinking about already is, okay, so if I, let's say I were to do an owner finance property that's got, we'll just keep simple math. We've got four tenants and each are producing or paying, let's say $1,500 a month. We've got six grand coming in per month. How much of that would go to the owner? How much of you goes in the pocket, which probably a smart play there is don't put it in your own pocket, put it back into the equity of the business, right? Yeah. Because you were leading up to your transition points, your husband sold his service business, right? So you, I assume, or, or let's hit this question, How many units when you first got started and how many units did you have when he left his engineering firm? So Brett is still W-2, even though he sold his business, he is still in the process of transitioning out of that because he stayed with the organization for two years. So it's not been two years yet. Got it. Outside of that, the commercial building is owned separately. It's It's a completely separate business entity. We have handled it such that the income coming in from the tenants goes back in to the business um, because there have been things that we've needed to do like replace part of the HVAC system or things of that nature that are unexpected. And because the building is older, you know, there's been deferred maintenance. We've had to do some repair on the roof. We've had to do some painting, just some general things that you have to keep things updated, but also to keep things looking well so that people want to have their business there. But we pay ourselves out of that monthly. And this is not what the property generates. The property generates more than this. It's just what we have elected to pay ourselves and, and Brett's partner in this particular project. We could certainly pay ourselves more, but we just feel like it's always wise to have cash in the bank to take care of some of the unexpected when you have property that large, you know, because there's always something that comes up, you know, there's like been a water leak or there's, you know, I mean, I could can name all kinds of stuff, you, new signage and, and some of the unexpected. So that's really how we've handled that. And that's that's been a great opportunity to then move into some different Uh, give you the confidence, if you will, to step into some other spaces. Right. Now, that's smart because we've got people who do commercial as well as residential. And of course, with that, the nature of the beast, you want to be putting some capital away so you can pay for those unexpected events that happen to your property, right? Um, That's great. You are actually able to take a draw from the property. You're not putting 100% back into the business. With that in mind, I do have to ask, can you share what are you taking, taking out of the business to pay yourself? So we were taking about $5,000 a month. It's not much. Um, And we've kind of bumped that up just a little bit. And so again, there's two partners. You know, you want to make sure that it's a minor distribution that we're taking compared to what we make. And the property has increased in value to a lot in that area of town. And so it was a great way to buy something at one price and understand that it's appreciated 
exponentially over the last several years in that in that area. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you start looking at replacing your W-2 income with your investments, what you really have to make sure you've done, which we did and still do and still refine and tweak is figure out what's your investment philosophy and what level of passive income are you looking for? You know, what do you really need to live the lifestyle that you've designed for yourself? Um, and sometimes you have to just start at a real basic basic level. But we've been able to, with our investments, work steadily towards our financial goals with our investments, with our investment income. You know, not just because we sold a business, but what did we do with those dollars to generate passive income? Right. Now, do you have a job outside of the real estate or are you full-time in this? I am full-time in this. As I said, I retired from my past life and um, have no regrets on that whatsoever. You know, it's, I am, I will tell you, I'm 54 and it's a great season of life to really just go back and do all the things that in your mind or your thoughts you've wanted to do or you've dreamed about. And so you've got to really take action and put measures and processes in place to be able to do that. So this is something that we have always wanted to do is invest more full time. Yeah, right. right. Well, we're big here with Ticker, you know, you want to get or make money work for you as opposed to you working for money. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked the question on if you were full time or not, because I know you said you retired from that, but sometimes people will kind of take on a consulting career and let's say they work five hours or 10 hours at a higher dollar rate. In this case, sounds like you're all in on this new venture with your husband. Yeah. Yep. So I did some personal consulting in healthcare for about a year after I retired, but it was just by random opportunities that came up. I was not building a consulting business for healthcare. That was not my desire. I just did it because I had the time and the skill set and it just, we worked out opportunities. This is more of what I'm interested in. And certainly Brett also as a married couple working together. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I like what he's doing. And this is a, it's de-risking the business model by him maintaining his full time. It sounds like he's fulfilling the contract, seeing out two years transition. I see that a lot with service businesses, sometimes with product businesses as well, but service, you know, cause there's a client base. You're selling people and relationships. Yeah. You know, at least in our business line, my husband's business line, which was civil engineering, but it also carries over into uh, real estate and investing. People do business with people that they like and trust. And so you've got to be able to really connect and really work on relationship enhancement. Right. And when is his timeline? Like when when are the two years up? So his two years is actually up in August. He has not set specifically that that is going to be his per se retirement date. Um, He's been doing a lot of thinking and processing over that. And so we will see what's to come by the end of the year or next for him. You know, financially, we have set some goals for our investments 
to generate a certain level of income. We're not quite there, almost there, but working on that. And that's going to be a continuous thing because with some investments that you make, they're investments that you know have a time limit, a five to seven year time limit. And so you've got to be able to not eat your seed corn and put your investment dollars back into another investment. You've got to be able to track that. So we hastily work on that and just make sure that we're growing in that space. Right. You got to plan in motion. And I know when, in this case, especially real estate, the hardest step is always that first step. It's the same thing for investing in the stock market. It's like that first stock you buy is always, there's the most fear right there. So you guys got the ball moving. You've got, you know, between 10 and 20 properties or not properties, but units. It sounds like total. Is that correct? Generating some passive income. Um, it's not so much separate units as as much as they're encompassed in the same hub of building. Um, but we do have a very small handful residential homes. We've got some lifestyle investments, investments in resort areas on some larger investment properties that I invested in where I've got that they're managed in more like short-term rentals like in the Beaver Creek area uh, on that mountain. So that's a very high-end level of investment that we have there in Belize, so on Ambergus Key. We've diversified a little bit with what I call lifestyle investing in places that we love to travel, that people have to spend you know, a good amount of money to get there and want to stay in luxurious locations. Right on. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time-consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. If you ever considered investing on your own but you don't know where to start, I welcome you to check out Ticker. Ticker guides you through your investment journey by steering you towards safe investments and away from risky investments. There were two main reasons why I created Ticker. Number one, I wanted to remove emotions from investing. In other words, I wanted a software to make buying and selling decisions for me so I don't have to. And number two, I wanted to save time. Analyzing stocks can take hours, if not days, and I didn't want to spend all day looking at the computer. I have other hobbies in life I'd rather be enjoying. If you're interested, you can get started with a free trial. Visit ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, ticker.com. Now, with your business, Mm -hmm. is it just you and your husband investing? Or is this a fund where everyday people can come to you and say, hey, I want to invest in what you're doing? Yes. So, you know, we do have a website. Um, It's called Real Equity Investment Partners. And we absolutely have all of our information out there. So folks can pop in, take a look at perhaps seminars that we're going to where we continue with education, but also what are we working on? What sorts of educational material are we putting out ourselves to give folks some little micro nuggets, micro doses of education? I really feel like that's super important. Um, But you've got to be able to immerse yourself in education and then do something with the education that you're getting. You know, you can't just be a seminar junkie or you can't just listen to 10 million webinars or you can't just listen to solely only podcasts. At some point, you have to do something with all of that. And so that's really what we're taking action on, if you will. That's kind of been what moved the needle for us is just that line in the sand where we said, okay, let's really do these things that we've been talking about, reading about, hearing about. 
right on. Yeah. yeah. So but there's so many people I know with real estate and the stock market analysis paralysis. They sit and they think and they read and they research and then they think and read and research. And that cycle goes on for years. Oh, and they, yeah. They're not doing anything that's huge opportunity cost, missed opportunities. So I like it. Like, yeah, that's good. You get educated, but like you got to start taking action. You make some yeah. mistakes along the way. Um, yeah. You know, I, learn. I do think you alluded to though, maybe what other projects perhaps have we been in? So this past, yeah. uh, we worked with a team. We bought a multifamily 200 door apartment complex in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Uh, that was with one team that was back in February. And so um, we've been working on, you know, the occupancy and um, rates and, you know, that whole business line. Multifamily was new for us. Um, we've got a great team. And, you know, that's key with whatever projects you're looking to get into is who are you marrying yourself to? Because those relationships can be three, five, seven years long. And so kind of need to know who you're going into business with. And then most recently, at the end of this year, myself with a couple of other uh, ladies, we had a Bitcoin mining fund. So also a very different asset class to be involved in. So our investment philosophy is a little bit different in that we're not siloed in one specific area. We've had self-storage facilities. Um, we divested a couple of those. Those were great, but we divested them because the market was right and we were able to make some money on that and put those dollars into another investment. So as, as I'm kind of mentioning these things, you can see, gosh, she's kind of all over the map. And that is true. Um, we are, but that's okay. You know, that's our investment philosophy. It's like, where does the money make the most sense for us? And so if we feel like now, if it's a great investment for us, we want to bring along those folks who are in our network to look at it as an opportunity for themselves to invest in, right. you know? So you're looking for people to kind of join you on your journey, invest side by side. You're looking for the right personality, some like-minded people. You can, you, as you said, you're going to be marrying these people for five, seven, 10 years, somewhere in there, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. And so, you know, I've heard some horror stories about that. And, you know, the deal is when you're in business with them, you're in business with them. So you got to make the most of it. You got to do it. So, uh, but we've not had that experience. It's been very positive. So, right. Can you share any major lessons learned or one key lesson learned on this journey? You know, I would say that the key lesson learned, and I've kind of mentioned it a couple times, is not just go to seminars, not just listen to material, not just read, but do something with what you're learning. Um, and even if you do something and it flops, but you never know until you try, and so that's really like a very, it's, it sounds very fundamental, but it's so very true. And so you might be asking yourself, well, gosh, I mean, you know, I, in order to do whatever it is, I need a team to work alongside me. So the flip side of that is creating the infrastructure for your own business, whatever that is with your CPA, so vital I lean on my CPA so much just for the structure of our business, but also um, my learning. I work with an accountant then in addition to that, which is part of that team. We've aligned with a, a legal team also. And so we have collaborative meetings, which is kind of far down the road. Not everybody starts there. We didn't start there. The journey took us there. 
but we have collaborative meetings so that our asset mapping of all of our assets and all of our business structures are lined out and we know what works best for what business, what level of investment do we need to make? And so another tip, huge tip is align with a CPA that is real estate educated and have meetings throughout the year. Don't wait till two months before taxes are due. Have monthly meetings and talk about your investment strategy so that you know what kind of investment you need to be getting into or investments, plural, you know, by July. I mean, because come October, your CPA is wrapping your stuff up. You know, there might be a little bit of polishing, but for the most part, you need to know what you're looking for. So that is a huge, huge thing that we've worked on and has helped us grow ourselves uh, exponentially financially, but also mentally and educationally from being able to share with others that are getting into real estate or syndicating. Gosh, they'll say, what do I do? And I'm like, man, find a CPA, start there, find a good CPA, understand your investment philosophy, Where are you going? You know, what are you trying to achieve? And then in between, you pull that together with other folks. Great advice there, especially in the CPA. Real estate, there can be a lot of complex taxes there. The layman is not going to know. So definitely, I can attest to that even with, um, I've got two other business, you know, Ticker's the main one. Then I've got another LLC as well for other investments. And and yeah, I I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have my tax guy. Oh gosh. So no. Guiding me on that journey. Where can we save money? How can we leverage the LLCs to shelter taxes? So that's same right. thing with real estate. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You mm-hmm. know, and really getting ownership of the things that you're purchasing or your investments out of your name and you know, into a business structure so that you eventually have that management company. You know, you've got foundations and trust and all of those pieces. You grow there. So that's excellent. But it's a huge, huge piece of the basic leg structure of what we do. Right. Let's take a quick commercial break. Hey, this is Sean. I'd like to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this one. I have a quick request. If you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review? The reason is the more ratings we get and the higher those ratings are, the more Apple will share us with the world. So thanks in advance for doing that. And then I have a quick comment. If there are any questions you want me to ask the guests, please head over to our Ticker Facebook group. You can drop a question right there. I'll go ahead and make a note and I'll do my best to ask that question on the podcast. All right, back to the show. Before we jump to the rapid fire round, is there one key action our listeners can take today? I would say that the one key action is look at who you are hanging around and who's in your circle of influence. Because the people that you hang out with and the folks that you talk with are the people that you're going to mirror the actions of. And so if you can have great and wonderful friends and people that have been in your life and are beautiful, and they're not going to go away, but they're not the people that are on the same track as you educationally with growing yourself, putting yourself out there. So look at that and really identify if you look at that and you say, I don't really have anybody like that. Make a list of who you want to be with and start putting yourselves in those environments. 
I mean, I really would. That is a simple thing that any one of us can do at any level of financial income. We can look at who are we hanging out with and does it build us up with where we're going in our real estate business? Or does it, is it just kind of mediocre because your friends aren't really into what you're doing? And we've had a lot of experience with that. You know, our friends weren't really interested in what we were doing. And some of them still aren't. But I tell you what, they're watching us on social media. They're watching us with deals. They're watching our finances change. And so they're asking a lot of questions. And so we are putting ourselves in those environments with the folks that we want to hang out with and be with and learn from. And so that's, again, that can even be locally, you know, who in your local market, but look at people that are working on the things that you desire and put them on your list and start going to those things that whatever it is they're attending or doing. Right. Great, great advice. There's so many people I know that they're stuck in those same circles and that's great. Right. But it's not, you know, if you, if you can look ahead into the future, I try to do this all the time is okay, where do I want to be in five years and what actions do I need to take today? Not tomorrow, (laughs) not two weeks from now, not a year from now. What do I need to do today to get myself to that point? In a lot of cases, you got to be talking to new people. Well, Sean, we could talk all day about this, but I know this this doesn't allow us to get into your rapid fire stuff, but goal setting and reviewing those goals every day, you know, is really important and key. So another topic, another time, <laughs> but, but that really it goes into who are you hanging out with? Who are you surrounding yourself with educationally, personally, all of that? Totally. Okay. All, all right. Time for the rapid fire round. Ready. I'm ready. You're ready. All right. Oh, Try to ready. answer. Each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Okay. Okay. All right. What is your favorite podcast? So my favorite podcast is with Robert Helms and Russell Gray with the Real Estate Guys radio show. I also, secondly, like Bronson Hill's Mailbox Money. I love that. I've had Bronson on the show. Yeah. 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 I like Bronson a lot. Yeah. Good guy. Um, Second question here. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Oh, gosh. Have it right here. Who Not How lives on my desk, and it is teaching me currently how not to be the doer of all things, figure out what am I good at, what can I do, but who can I give the other things to so that my business can grow? Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Movie question. What is your favorite movie? Okay. Just saw this movie again. It's old, but it's called Ocean's 8. And the reason why I like it is not because Sandra Bullock pulled off a jewelry heist, but because it's the power of women and collaborating and renewing yourself and becoming something more than what you've been and really making lemonade out of your lemons. You know, she had been put in prison, set up, blah, blah. But I just, I love how she kind of took women, random women from all walks of life and really pulled off a major heist. Wasn't the heist. It was the other pieces. <laughs> yes, the, the yeah. character de- character development. So you're selling me on it because I remember seeing the trailer. It's like, I, oh, you know, I'm a big fan of Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Love yes. those movies, yes. right? And I didn't know what to think of this, but uh, knowing that you have this uh, eclectic group kind of coming together with uh, not the most polished backgrounds, it sounds no. like, right? No. That's fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. But Sean, isn't that real? And isn't that how we connect? with people every day. People don't come to us polished. People come to us broken. People come to us aspiring for more. And sometimes you're able to just open a door and they do more than they ever thought they could or should deserve. 
And so to be able to be that person that opens up those doors for folks, whether that's just something they heard, you know, or something they read, um, and it, and we just usher them into an area. To me, that's beautiful. That's what it's all about. Right on. Mm-hmm. All right. We got a few business questions here. What is the worst advice you ever received? Oh, gosh. Um, the worst advice. It's not really advice, but I've had folks approach me about deals where um, they were in like a super hot seat and needed help with raising capital. And it was just sort of like I was an afterthought on a last minute, like, can you raise X number of dollars, you know, and uh, we go to closing in two weeks. So it's not bad advice as much as it is, you know, be cautious of who's calling and why and really explore the deal. And I think there are certain deals during certain windows of time that flourish and then certain deals that are better and in other windows of time. Like, you know, you may look at it, it may not be great mm-hmm. to syndicate multifamily right now, but getting into ATMs and car washes might be right up your alley. I- I'm just throwing that out there. So it wasn't really bad advice as much as it was, look at who's approaching. And and I'd like to add to that is uh, a red flag in the dialogue. Like, Today's day and age, if we want something as consumers, we can buy it. We don't need to be sold on anything. No. So if anybody's trying to sell you anything, run the other direction. Yes. Right? Like you should be able to communicate, here's the value. And if you want it, great. If not, like who cares? Like if you use that approach, that always sells better than you got to buy this in the next 15 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I've got two weeks and I need two million dollars, and can you do it? It's like, yeah, I'm going. I'm going the other direction. See ya. No, that's been a lot of that happens a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Here here recently, here recently, I say no more than yes, and and that's a good thing too. Say no more than yes. Yeah, Warren Buffett teaches that the most successful people in the world learn how to say no a lot. Yes. 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 All right, let's flip the equation here. What is the best advice you ever received? Set your goals, set your goals. And, you know, for years, I always lived in um, what New Year's resolutions was I going to make? It was always, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to go do whatever, whatever. But it was really when we got super focused on our syndication business and understood the true essence of goal setting and how that carries over into your business. You know, you really need to have like 90 day reviews of your business. Where are you? Um, Set some objectives and follow that. That can be everything from doing a syndication to being on podcasts to, you know, posting X number of times on social media, whatever that might be. But it's also, you know, when you set goals for your life, you know, they have to be tangible and they need to have timelines and they need to, um, and they can be stretch goals. You want to have big, hairy, audacious goals, but, you know, you have to put in the the work to get there. And then as you've done that, we attend a goal setting um, every year that's powerful. Uh, and we do review our goals all the time. And, and we, they're separate goals. Brett has his goals. I have my goals. And then what we've done is we've taken that home and we have family office meetings and we've created vision boards with my adult children. And so we have family office meetings monthly and we've got them doing book studies. We've got them reviewing their goals and, you know, all of that. In fact, the book study we're doing right now with our family is um, The Gap in the Game right here. Love this one. It's a great 
easy read for family office meeting and understanding what the author's trying to say there. So that would be my powerful point is goals. You're really hammering on that today. And I appreciate that because a lot of people, they set goals that are, they're too ambiguous, such as I want a new house or I want to be a multimillionaire by X age. And that's cute. But like, what is the how? Break it down in tangible, measurable steps. Like, so how many sales do you need or how many phone calls you got to make or how many customers do you need? And, or in your case, how many properties do I need to generate this much revenue so I can quit my full-time corporate job? (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, you know, another tip with that is work on your connections, your database. You have to get out there and meet people. And then you have to follow up with people. And so if you're looking to grow your business, it, you can't sit around at home and just be on Zoom all the time. You, I mean, that's right. powerful. It's a, it's a piece of it, but you got to get out and make personal connections with people and, and go a little deep. Sometimes you don't have to go wide. Sometimes you can just go a little deep because you would be, I don't have that many active investors in my database because I've worked on my deepening those relationships. And so if I'm going to invest in something again, they're going to come along for the ride. So there's power in that. Thank you for touching on that. I had a friend come to me about a year or two ago and he said, you know, as I near 40, I've got a lot of friends, but there's no meaningful deep relationships. Like I don't know a lot about these people. And he's like, I need to transition from a whole bunch of friends to a few friends. I know what their interests are, what their hobbies are, what are their kids into, what are their family? Like, like get to know people at more than just a surface level, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds easy, but you ha- it's intentional and you have to schedule it and you have to just do it and you have to be dedicated to doing it. And that's really how we've grown our database, if you will. I have a lot of people in there, but the people that I really wholeheartedly connect with a lot I mean, we do dinners, we do lunches. If we travel, if they're out of town, we actively work to connect with them. Right on. Great mm-hmm. advice. All right. So we got the time machine question. If you could go yeah. back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? Mm. Dear younger me, you know, there's a song called that. Uh, and it, it's a Christian song. It's actually pretty beautiful. I wouldn't go that far back in time. I think what has me where I am right now is every piece of what I've journeyed through. Working a W-2, raising three adult children, creating a family business, being able to coach them along about financial education. You don't learn that in school. You don't even learn that in college. So I've got adult kids who are married and, and one that's left in college and she helps me in our business and and another, they all do. And so I wouldn't go that far back. But what I would probably do is go back maybe about seven years, you know, not that long ago, because at that point, that's when we really did our first commercial deal. I wish I had known about syndicating, like I'd never even heard that term. And so I would go back maybe about to that window of time And that would have changed the trajectory a little bit, uh, the passive income that I have now with some of our other investments. I would have understood what does it really mean to syndicate and do a bigger deal and do, do that with other people, using other people's money. But you have to be mature enough to steward other people's money. And so 
So I wouldn't go back to my 20s for sure. Definitely not my 30s. My 40s were great. Leave them where they were. But, you know, maybe about 47. <laughs> right on. It's not that long ago. You're, you're a contrarian because I mentioned before the show, most people go back to like 18, 19, 20, that somewhere is, in there. So I, really would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because, because that's built the character of who I am today. Yeah. And without those bumps and bruises, I would not be who I am today. So I wouldn't trade it. Would not trade it. I love it. Great advice. Well, I really enjoyed this interview. I hope a few of our customers reach out to you to either network, to learn from you, maybe even partner up with you. So where is the best place they can reach you? So right now, I would love for them, just so I can track it, I would love for them to hit my website and go to nextlevel at realequityinvestmentpartners.com. And the reason why I say next level is I had the privilege of co-authoring a book with Kyle Wilson. I was in his book. And so there's an, a free download that your viewers can get, my chapter, to just read a little bit more about me, my background, my journey, and my investment philosophy. And so it's a fabulous way for them to do that and touch base with me through there. Make sure you send me that link. We're going to make sure that's in the show notes. So people okay. can just listen to the show, click the link and... Yeah, with love it's it's a great great read awesome well thank you so much for your time robin this is great thank you i really appreciate it i love your questions and how you've got everything set up so it's beautiful really really good thank you all right we'll talk soon have a great day bye-bye hey i'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast i know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to so thanks for spending some time with me also, if you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? The more reviews we get, the more Apple will share this podcast with the world. So thanks for doing that. And last thing, if you do hear any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not make a buy or sell decision based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later. See ya.